Is it not? And so in reality, that song is one of the most accurate I've sung and I've heard sung about the presence of God. It's not that God's presence waxes or wanes or changes. What changes is our awareness of God's presence. Um, today, as we go on, we, we're doing something very unusual today, and that is the fact that we're going to be completing a whole chapter of James in just two weeks. I think I took like four weeks with chapter one and about four weeks with chapter two. We're only going to spend two weeks in chapter three because I'm running out of stuff to say. You know that's not true, right? So um, Today we're going to be talking about wisdom's harvest. And what I want to make sure that you understand is we've been discussing the idea of the fact that if you have a life that has been impacted by the implanted Word of God and you've received it with meekness and humility, it, you no longer have this overflow of wickedness. Remember we talked about that and we used the illustration of if you put a cup of milk in the microwave and put it on maximum for like 20 minutes, it overflows and it burns. And all heat does is reveal what's inside. But there's more to it than that. It's not just that you don't have an overflow. It's that you also have a harvest. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works by being on time for church at 9 a.m., even on time change Sunday. Oh, <laughs> that's not up there. I apologize for that. was, uh, sorry, subliminal. So uh, double bonus heaven points for everyone that made it today. Um, I've put in the order. You'll get your pins. Um, <clears throat> who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and self-ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly. It's unspiritual it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What's interesting about this passage in many ways is it becomes an expansive commentary on one of the earlier sermons we preached about in James chapter 1 where he spoke about, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. In other words, he says that God is sitting, waiting for us to ask, and before we can even say, get the word, God, give me wisdom, he's ready to just douse us with it. He wants to flood us. He wants us to be overcome and, and drowning in his wisdom. And he's so excited to give it to us. And then the scripture talks about the fact that the way that you get that wisdom is it starts with meekness. And we see later on in chapter 1, he says, Therefore, you receive with meekness or brokenness or humility the implanted word of God, the passively implanted word of God, which then is able to, what does the scripture say next? Save your souls. And so from there he goes on and he says a lot of other things. And now in chapter 3, in the second part of chapter 3, he's kind of going back to chapter 1 a little bit to give you some clarification. And what we see completed here, we've been talking about all these sandwiches, right? These sandwiches of truth that are in James. 
Today we have the completion of two sandwiches. We have a wisdom sandwich that is completed, going back from chapter 1 to chapter 3. And then we have a fruit sandwich. Remember last week we talked about the fact, he says, you know, the type of fruit that you bear. We talked about that. And today he talks about fruit again, a harvest. So we're going to discuss that. But the first thing I want to do is I want to go through what bad wisdom looks like. Because there's two types of wisdom that are broken down for us in this passage. And the fact of the matter is, folks, all of us have one or the other. And I would submit to you that there is some success, temporal success, worldly success, that you can enjoy when you have the earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. So let's look at bad wisdom. First of all, boasting and lying against the truth. He says, speaking against the truth. Let me explain to you what he means by speaking against the truth or lying against the truth. It's forgetting. Remember, if we talked about this in James, it's forgetting what you saw in the mirror, quickly going away, and then taking your wrath and pointing it at a person, expecting them to change the way you want them to change because you know what they need. And so what he says, speaking against the truth, he, what he's saying is this. You're saying this, but your life says this. So you're sharing these things in truth with someone else, but in reality, what you're doing is you're speaking against the truth because your very life demonstrates that you don't have the truth that you're trying to, by anger, force on someone else. That's what lying, lying or speaking against the truth means. And so the first thing we know about bad wisdom is it boasts, it's proud. I would never do that. You've done that. Let me tell you something, pal. And then you blast them. That's lying against the truth. Also, bad wisdom has jealousy, the scripture says in James. It has jealousy, selfishness. It has arrogance. Jealousy. Not necessarily just about someone's car or someone's clothes or someone's rings or someone's house, but maybe jealous about the position they hold. What did we say in the first part of chapter 3? Don't many of you desire to become teachers because they receive a greater condemnation. And we spoke about the fact that the word that he mentioned, teachers, meant somebody who is elevated, somebody who has a position of respect. And so a person with bad wisdom is jealous of someone who has a position of respect. Does that make sense? I could do what they're doing. Who do they think they are? You see the dichotomy and the, and the, the confrontation between the two ideas? You speak against the truth, but then you're also jealous of those who speak against the truth. The bad wisdom is also earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And what he means by that is this. The wisdom that, you come, that, that you're born with, by the way, the wisdom that comes from this earth, understands how to get ahead. Understands how to manipulate people. Even if it seems like you're manipulating them for a good thing. Maybe you're manipulating them religiously. We see that in a lot of places in the church today where people are manipulated into what seems like a good work of giving. We see it on TV all the time. <clears throat> but that's not good wisdom, that's bad wisdom. Or maybe in the business world, 
You understand the way the world works, and so you can reap benefit from it, but it's earthly wisdom. It's unspiritual. It's not wisdom that is born out of meekness and humility and brokenness and serving of others. It's wisdom that is born out of self-seeking. And he even uses the word demonic. And that opens up a whole new conversation about what the world looks like and the wisdom that permeates society. There is wisdom in this world. The problem is it's demonic. And this wisdom leads to disorder. As a matter of fact, in the next chapter, James says, where do wars and fighting come from you? It becomes because you ask for the wrong reasons. You ask so that you can consume it. The answer to your prayer, you ask for it so you can consume it upon your lust. And it creates dissension, fighting, disorder. You know what that reminds me of in James chapter 1? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And why is he double-minded? Because he looks in a mirror, sees what he is, goes away, immediately forgets, and then he speaks against the truth. And so we have this idea of this this bad wisdom. It leads to disorder. It leads to chaos because everyone's trying to get theirs. And you're using this wisdom that you're born with, this innate earthly wisdom to get yours, and it is constantly conflicting with everyone else who's trying to get theirs with their earthly wisdom as well. And James mentions in chapter 4, we're going to talk about that next week, In chapter 4, he says, why do fights come? Because you're trying to get yours. And then we see that bad wisdom, the Scripture says, every vile thing, right? It leads to bad morals. Because think about it. If you are inundated with the world's wisdom, you're not worried about the consequences on your life. You're worried about getting yours. And when you're worried about getting yours, you're willing to do anything to get it. And it leads to this, in, this entitlement mentality where I deserve it. It doesn't matter what I do because it belongs to me in the first place. And it leads to actions and activities and words and communication and things that you do that tend toward evil, sinfulness, filthiness, overflow of wickedness. I'm going to read you the second half of James chapter 1 just so, you, just so you see the similarities between them. Just listen to this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man... Get this now. This is very important. For the anger of man, which, by the way, is a result of bad wisdom, <clears throat> the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God in others. Remember we talked about that? We're so convinced that if we just state our case strong enough, if we get angry enough, we can make somebody what they need to be. The Scripture says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It does not produce the harvest you really want. Therefore, put away filthiness and rampant overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness or brokenness the implanted Word of God which is able to save your souls... But it's not just stopping the overflow. He goes to verse 22. He says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, speaking against the truth. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and then goes away and at once forgets what he's really like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, another name for the implanted word of God, and, per- and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but he's a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So you see the similarities between the two concepts. Now let's look at the good wisdom. First of all, it demonstrates itself in good conduct. Now, don't be confused here. Because sometimes earthly wisdom can demonstrate itself in good conduct, can it not? But in reality, even in the good conduct, the earthly, the earthly wisdom is designed to have good conduct that what? Helps you get yours. See, this is where depravity comes in. And you can see some things in the world that seem to be good sometimes. It seems to be a good thing, but in reality, what the Scripture teaches us is about man without the implanted Word of God, man without Christ, what that man does is he seeks his own, even if it looks like righteousness. So we don't just stop at good conduct. Oh, good conduct. He must have good wisdom. Not necessarily. There's also humility and meekness. Now here again we have a problem. You ever heard of the phrase false humility? Right? Like I was listening to, uh, at the end of the the football season, uh, this guy who plays running back for the Minnesota Vikings, right? His name is Adrian Peterson. For those of you who don't follow football, he had an amazing year. One of the best years ever for a running back. And they were interviewing afterwards. How did you do it this season? And here's what I thought he should have said. I'm bigger, I'm faster, I'm stronger, and I'm smarter than anyone else that plays my position. Because it's true. Oh, well, you know, I had nothing to do with it. You know, really, it's about my coaches and my teammates and my line, and they blocking for me and the play. No, it's not, Adrian. Inside, you know why you were the best running back in the league this year, because you're better than everyone else. And so don't get confused. You can have humility and meekness, but it can be false humility and weakness. But these things are required at the very least to see if you have good wisdom. The next thing, pure, not double-minded. See, what pure wisdom means is this. It's not trying to play both sides of the fence, right? The perfect wisdom that comes from who? The Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow from turning. Remember we talked about that? In James chapter 1, there's no variance. There's no shadow from turning. That perfect wisdom is not double-minded. It doesn't sometimes play one side of the game just to get a benefit on the other side. It's pure. It's single-focused. It's got one goal. Make heavenly dad smile. It's not double-minded. It's peaceable. It's not full of judgment and anger. One of Bruce's favorite verses in James, he talked about it, is the last part. It says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Guys, you see how easy it is for us to slip into the bad wisdom part when we get angry and we think that we, in our wrath, have to impose righteousness on someone else. And the scripture says the wrath of man does not produce righteousness. But the good wisdom approaches it with peace. 
The scripture says in James that the good wisdom is gentle. It's got compassion, not wrath. It's reasonable. It's not rigid. It's not legalistic. Remember we talked about this a few weeks ago where the scripture says that those, and I talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount, that there are people who impose burdens on others, religious burdens, that they themselves aren't even willing to bear. And we have this rampant disease, this, this cancer in the church of America, which is called legalism. And it was there in James too. Matter of fact, the author of Hebrews addressed it. Where you have this concept of, it has to be done this way, it has to be done my way, and if not, then it's not good. But wisdom, good wisdom, is reasonable. It's open-minded. It doesn't mean it's compromising. But it's combined with peaceable and gentle and compassionate. Why? Because it has in its root brokenness, humility. It's really hard to not be reasonable with somebody else's flaw when you yourself recognize your own deficiency. Am I right? But if you don't see your deficiency, you're not reasonable. This is how it is. This is the way it's going to be. No exceptions. But you don't hold yourself to the same standard. But this is the part about the good wisdom that starts to give people trouble. It's not just that you don't have an overflow of wickedness, but it's full of mercy and good fruits. This is the second half of the fruit sandwich. See, if you have the good wisdom, there's no question what's going to happen. There will be evidence. Because faith without works is dead. In other words, it's bad wisdom. The good wisdom is impartial and sincere. It doesn't respect persons. Remember, we talked about that in James. If somebody comes in with good clothes, don't say to them, sit in this great chair, and somebody comes in with bad clothes, sit at my footstool. So the good wisdom is impartial. It's sincere. And lastly, the good wisdom without fail because God never gives bad wisdom when you ask for it, right? Well, I asked God for good wisdom, but I got this cruddy earthly wisdom. I mean, come on, God, I asked you for good wisdom, you gave me bad, come on. No, God, there is no variation, there's no shadow from turning. And the wisdom he gives always produces not just no filthiness and overflow, but an overflow that is a harvest of righteousness. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, but the wisdom from above, from the Father of lights, produces words and actions that create a harvest. You know, a great example of this is the wheat and the tares. It's a parable that Jesus teaches where he says there's a field, and in there the farmer plants the wheat, but then tares grow up. And he can't do anything with it because there's tares right in the middle of the wheat. So he waits for the wheat to be fully grown. It comes up above the tares, and then he can harvest the wheat. Then he can gather the tares and burn them. There's the harvest idea. In the midst of the tares, the wheat grows up and yields a fresh harvest. That's the good wisdom. In the midst of a world of bad wisdom, good wisdom rises to the top and creates a harvest of righteousness. 
So there's two types of tools that you use for your harvesting depending upon the wisdom that you have. Because the bottom line here, guys, and we're almost done here, so kind of stick with me, there will be a harvest in your life. There is no question about it. You either have the harvest that is representative of the bad wisdom or you'll have a harvest that is representative of the good wisdom. One or the other. The first tool that you'll use if you have the bad wisdom is anger. Speaking against the truth. Holding people to a standard that you want for them to hold that you yourself are a failure in. That's one tool you'll try to use for harvest. And it seems like to me that, that Christians really struggle with this. And it's the reason that so many churches fail to grow. It's because the tool most used by those who claim to have faith is anger and lying against the truth. Hypocrisy. We talked about that last week. What's the number one excuse people give for why they don't want to go to church? Oh, those Christians, they're hypocrites. And where does it come from? The very first place is our mouth. What we say contradicting what we do. The second tool you'll use if you have good wisdom is meekness and mercy. It doesn't mean that you can't speak truth. What it means is the truth you speak come from a position of brokenness and humbleness. Why? Because with meekness, you received the implanted word of God that was able to save your souls. So there's two types of tools that you use for your harvest. And if you have faith, if you have been given the good wisdom that comes from brokenness, there will be a harvest of righteousness. If not, your harvest is unrighteous. And it can be a big harvest. The unrighteous harvest, guys, can be very shiny. It can be very comfortable. It can be very satisfying. But it's earthly. It's sensual and demonic. Here's where I am with you guys today where I want to leave us as a, as a group for all of us. For though this, by this time you ought to be teachers. Remember he says you shouldn't desire to be teachers because they receive the greater condemnation, the greater judgment. But then Hebrews says this, for by this time you ought to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the truth of God's word, the implanted word of God. You need milk, not solid food. See, a lot of people think that milk and meat means, you know, the complicated doctrine. No, it doesn't. It means doctrine or truth that you apply. Milk and meat does not mean simple stuff. I want the meat of God's word. I want it. No, the meat means you do what it says. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, unskilled in the implanted word of God. I mean, you don't practice it since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. So do you understand that the good wisdom does not mean you know a lot. The good wisdom doesn't mean you, you understand doctrine, you understand theology, you know the books of the Bible frontwards and back and you have a lot of verses memorized. That's not wisdom, that's knowledge. Huge difference. Wisdom is a result of practice. It's a result of a harvest of righteousness that comes from your brokenness that you receive the implanted word of God and you've taken it and you've made it meet. Not because you understand it really good, but because you apply it.
And so what we see that James is telling us in chapter 3 in the second half is, it's not just enough that you don't have an overflow of filthiness. There's got to be a harvest of righteousness. Everyone has a harvest. The question is, what kind? One of the results of true faith and heavenly wisdom is the impact on the lives of others. It's not just that you don't have an overflow, but there is a harvest. Do you have any crops? Do you have any? Do you have any crops? And if you do, what do they look like? No excuses. Because if God, who never changes, right, the Father of lights, who's no variation or shadow, has given you the gift of wisdom that you ask for, what the Scripture teaches us is this. You will have crops. Now, I don't know what they look like. It could be a crop of giving. It could be a crop of evangelism. It could be a crop of serving. It could be a crop of mercy. I don't know what the crop looks like. That's not my position to judge. But I do know this. The Scripture says there will be crops. Do you have any? Do 